0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we kick off a new week. Hope you had a good weekend. We had some uh, severe weather where I'm at here in central Illinois, and we're going to talk about that with Mike Pomerino, DTM meteorologist, a little bit later on. Also get a look ahead at the weather forecast. Lots to talk about from the G20 meeting over the weekend. What was accomplished, what wasn't. Kind of blurry on some details, but seemingly some positives in there for agriculture. We'll be talking about it with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley and also managing partner of DTB Associates Paul Dracic will be joining us as well. But joining us right now is the editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications, Sarah Wyatt. Sarah, I believe you're at the Missouri Farm Bureau meeting, right?
2: That, that's right. I'm looking out over the Lake of the Ozarks and uh, getting ready to go hear the Missouri Farm
1: Bureau folks
2: as well as our governor and our senator-elect and our current senator, Mr. Blount. So it's a busy day here.
1: Yeah, say hi to my friends there at Missouri Farm Bureau, and I'm sure they're excited to hear from uh, the newly elected senator from the state of Missouri, someone they backed in the campaign.
2: They did. They made a big difference in his election. As you know, That uh, almost all of rural Missouri voted for Senator-elect, uh, Holly, as opposed to St. Louis and Kansas City. So uh, they made a big difference in his campaign.
1: So I'm sure they are looking forward to hearing from Josh Hodley and looking forward to working with him moving forward on some key issues. Well, let's there's so much to talk about. Let's start with the G20 meeting over the weekend, Sarah, and some news coming out about a truce on tariffs and China going to buy more agricultural products. But after that, it gets kind of fuzzy. Uh, what do you make of all of it?
2: Well, you may have seen the story that we published Saturday night. This is really, really big news, the fact that they've called this truce and that they're back to the negotiating table. But as always, Mike, the devil is in the details. Mm -hmm. They've announced that there's going to be a 90-day time frame in order to accomplish these very, very complex and difficult negotiations but I don't think the Chinese have announced that they've agreed to that timeline. So that's one thing that kind of throws things into some uncertainty. Obviously, uh, pulling back from an elevation of the increase in tariffs from 10 to 25% is a big deal. It calms the waters a little bit. The Chinese have uh, agreed to drop auto tariffs from the 40% percent they would lifted up to down again uh, to being competitive with other countries. And the president said immediately after the deal was inked that he was going to uh, see the Chinese start purchasing ag products immediately. And you probably saw his tweet this morning basically saying farmers will be a very big and fast beneficiary of our deal with China. And he ended up with saying, farmers, I love you. So I think the president is certainly on a a lull with the agricultural community trying to promote that he is uh, solving this issue, but there are several details that need to be worked out, and I think a lot of folks will feel even better if they could just see that first export sale go back into China.
1: Yeah. It's not done till it's done. We've learned that in the past. But uh, uh, there was so much anticipation going into this meetings and uh, into this meeting and and just the need and wanting to hear some positive news, I think most are going to run with the positive aspects of it until we hear or see differently.
2: Well, that's it. I mean, you may remember that uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin once declared that there was a truce in this trade war, and we're yeah. thinking, okay, that was a positive sign. Well, that didn't last long when he got back to some of the others who are really very terror focused in the White House. So we will see. The President, I think, Mike, though, seems to understand that the economy is slowing in the U.S. a little bit too, as we look at the potential for possibly higher interest rates. So he's very cognizant that uh, some things need to happen in order to keep the momentum going in terms of jobs and a stronger U.S. economy.
1: So I guess uh, we're cautiously optimistic <laughs> moving forward on this, and hopefully we'll have more good news as details come out. Meanwhile, with the uh, the passing of uh, former President George H.W. Bush, uh, and The funeral coming up, uh, that may change some of the timing of some things, including the farm bill.
2: Well, I do think you're going to see a lot more details. We hope to have more by tonight, but certainly by Tuesday when there are press conferences scheduled, we're going to see a lot more details about what's in the farm bill. But you're absolutely right. The federal government will be shut down in in honor of uh, Bush 41, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, and So that will slow things up on not only the farm bill, but also perhaps the spending bills that were supposed to expire by uh, the end of this week. There's a talk of a short-term extension again to give them another couple weeks to negotiate whether or not the president gets his border wall funding and what else is included in those remaining appropriations bills. So it does slow things down, but I think it also sets a tone in Washington of memories of a little bit more civil times. And perhaps um, the, the need to have better discussions that can perhaps uh, lift up the memory of, of this president, who was such a great statesman and, and such a good communicator, about uh, the need to put the country's needs first.
1: We are seeing some criticism of aspects of the Farm Bill, and we don't even have the details yet. Much like we talked about with the the deal with China, uh, we need to see the details of just what is in the Farm Bill. What are you hearing?
2: Well, there's going to be a lot of folks in the Freedom Caucus who really thought this was their chance to make sure that they had reformed the uh, Supplemental Nutrition and Assistance Program, or SNAP formerly known as food stamps and and they're not going to see the progress that they wanted so you'll see the departure of quite a few republicans uh we talked to some of the kentucky uh delegation on uh over the weekend for kentucky farm bureau and and they were suggesting it might only pass by two uh extra votes like maybe 220 might be the majority but if if it's over 218 then then they're good you know (laughs) so um there's going to need to be a lot of Democrats that are going to, especially in the House, vote for this if it's going to move,
3: and that will
2: make uh, you know the leadership a little antsy on whether or not they have more Democrats voting for it than Republicans, and a Republican still-controlled House. But it seems to me that uh, the opposition from the President hasn't been surfacing from Mr. Perdue yet, um, so if they can get this thing out there and, and on the floor, that uh, they still have a
1: good chance of getting it passed. Amazing, after all the months of angst over the new NAFTA, USMCA as it's called now, it of course we have to have the votes yet, but it was signed in the last few days, and that's kind of lost in the news these days.
2: Well, a little bit, except for the president's threat to, I mean, to pull out of uh, the existing agreement and basically say, okay, you've got six months. Congress to see if he can pass this. I, I think that that this adds to his leverage. But as you know, there are both Republicans and Democrats that don't like that current uh, negotiated agreement. They'd like to see sweeteners made. Uh, how much can actually be done given the fact that it was signed by the you know the, um, previous president and uh, you know the president of the United States who's saying this is the deal. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think, dashing of uh, teeth and wringing mm-hmm. of hands that go into whether or not there can be some additional uh, language put into that that will satisfy uh, certainly Speaker, uh, soon to be expected to be Speaker Pelosi uh, right. is uh, not satisfied with it as it is.
1: That's a battle that is looming ahead. All right, Sarah, thank you very much. Enjoy the Missouri Farm Bureau annual meeting. Good to talk with you.
2: You too, Mike. Thanks.
1: Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Up next, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
4: Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and healthcare. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.
5: Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now you're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time. To show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
2: What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a
3: volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience.
2: As
6: small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has.
2: Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdoolunch.org. That's Lunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council
3: information
0: farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture now back to
1: Mike Adams welcome back joining us now Iowa Senator Charles Grassley Senator always appreciate your time thank you for being with us wanted to start wanted to start with getting your thoughts uh, as you look back uh, on uh, your times uh, your experiences your relationship with uh, former President George H. W. Bush, who passed away here in the last few days, uh, y- your thoughts on on former President Bush?
7: It'd be kind of generic because being on a f- farm program like yours, maybe you'd uh, say that I can remember some things just about agriculture, but I can't. Um, I don't even remember if uh, in that primary of 1980, if uh, uh, that he had or the election of 1988, probably by 1988, ethanol would have been an issue. But I don't even have memories of that like I do when Bob Dole was campaigning, et cetera, et cetera. My uh, memory of H.R., H.W. Bush, is simply this. He was a very good leader because he was a moral leader, because he didn't uh, take retribution. He set a uh, fine standard for others. He treated people with equality and with respect.
1: You know, I think maybe because even more so, the times in which we're going through right now and all the divisions and the issues our country's facing, I think we look back on his presidency and his approach and uh, the way he dealt with people that you just described. We look back uh, longingly now and, and remembering probably have a better, many people have a better thought about his presidency now than they did maybe at the time. Oh, of course,
7: and I think that's true of a lot of people who were president. I think it's particularly true of his predecessor, Reagan. As time went on, uh, he wasn't so respected as president, but uh, after his presidency, he grew uh in people's minds as a great great leader particularly uh his uh, 10 year strategy to bring down the soviet union as one example as a major threat to the united states uh and it's true of uh, george w bush as well and particularly i think uh, the issue of public service that he emphasized uh, uh besides being a successful businessman Particularly in the oil business, he went into public service and did so many different jobs, and uh, and emphasized public service as a as an honorable end in itself. And then having two sons uh, serve as public servants: one, the governor of of uh, Texas, and then later president; the other one, uh, eight years as governor of uh, Florida. And now a grandson, I think, is in a statewide elective office uh, in Texas. Uh, I think that it, it brings home that uh, service is an honorable thing, but also for a successful business person like uh, George H.W. Bush, uh, he would have ended up being a, a, a person of more uh, economic means and greater wealth if he had stayed in the oil business. Uh, but uh, to a lot of people, uh, money is not the most important thing, and obviously money wasn't the most important thing to him.
1: We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Uh, what are your thoughts on, and we're still waiting for details, but what are your thoughts on the recently uh, completed G20 meeting?
7: Initially, very positive, both from the standpoint for agriculture and our economy generally from finally agreeing to the U.S.-Mexico-Canadian agreement, getting it signed, getting it nailed down. Uh, Progress with China. Uh, The threats of increased tariffs between China and the United States is delayed by 90 days, and I think will be delayed forever uh, if China in the next 90 days shows progress in negotiating with us. And particularly, China is immediately going to start buying agricultural products, and I think that that'd be very significant for the Midwest because that's where most of the soybeans are grown in our country. Uh, and and uh, and connected with an agreement with South Korea, uh, starting negotiations with uh, Japan, and uh, also Europe. Uh, it's, uh, it, it is beginning to look like a strategy that we thought 15 months ago that the president initiated wasn't a very wise strategy. But now you're finding out that maybe his long-term goals, with some suffering of our economy in the meantime, uh, is, is going to pay off uh, for a better future now maybe i shouldn't have said with the uh with some downside to the economy is doing very well but nobody can dispute the fact that it has hurt the price of soybeans
1: yeah, so we wait for the details of uh, the deal with China and see what's there. Meanwhile, you mentioned the signing of uh, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Still got to get passed, and that looks like it's going to be a challenge, and, of course, the president threatening to pull out of, uh, of NAFTA if we don't get the new one done. Uh, looking ahead to that battle, how tough you think that's going to be in getting it signed?
7: Well, let's just suppose that on the same day he submits it to Congress, which probably now will be January the 3rd at the earliest, if he submits it to Congress and that very same day, says in 60 days I'm pulling out of uh, NAFTA, and you have no agreement that lowers tariffs, and go back to what the law was prior to 1993, um uh, It seems to me it's going to force Congress to act, even if you disagree with parts of it. Now, that's a hard-nosed approach, but sometimes the president has to use that if he wants to get things accomplished.
1: Talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, looks like we're close to getting the farm bill. From what you've seen and heard of what's in there, do you like it?
7: I like every part of it except for the fact that my uh, effort to put uh, uh, payment limits on what one farmer can get and make sure that farmer is actually engaged in farming rather than being a Wall Street banker Uh, and, and in a sense, a non-farmer or an absentee landowner, Uh, they left that out. And I've been trying through three farm bills to get it through. I always get it through the uh, U.S. Senate. Uh, two, four years ago, I got it through both the House and the Senate, and that should have been enough to keep it in. But uh, violation of every rule of a conference committee, it was taken out. It was taken out this time. So I... I've got to decide, am I going to vote against this farm bill just because I didn't get what I wanted, as important as I think it is, as uh, well-received it is by most American family farmers. uh, I haven't made up my mind yet.
1: Hmm. So you're still, you're still considering whether or not you'll support it.
7: Well, I did vote against in 2014. I've got a, I got a, Thinking Well, first of all, it's going to pass, regardless of my vote. But once in a while, you cast a vote just out of outrage that you aren't treated fairly. And, it's, right. a and for, it's a victory for Southern agriculture over Midwestern agriculture. It's a victory for uh, uh, corporate agriculture over family farming agriculture. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So uh, one other note before we let you go. Um... EPA released its uh, numbers for the RFS for next year. Uh, a lot of concern because we still don't know about their policy on granting waivers. Not, we know they're not going to give back or reallocate the gallons that have been lost, and a lot of concern that these numbers don't mean that much if they're going to keep granting the waivers. Uh, what, what is your response and reaction to EPA?
7: Well, uh, so we consider this good news, but maybe six months from now, We'll figure that the the numbers they put out for RFS requirements for the next year, we may find them cut back. We found them cut back 10% under the previous EPA administrator. So I raise that point that I favor what the EPA is doing, but we really don't know how good it is. It's very good today as they announce it. Will it be that good when they get done with waivers, all I can say is we're finding a very sincere effort on the part of Wheeler, the new EPA acting administrator, and if he's approved by the United States Senate, will be the new EPA administrator. Uh, he's making a determined effort working with the Energy Department, and the Energy Department ha- has a role in this, of whether or not the uh, the statistics for making a determination on waivers are accurate. And uh, I think they're going to find out that they aren't and that uh, 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 the previous EPA administrator um, uh, was too liberal and too oriented towards the oil companies that maybe we'll get a more honest uh, uh, approach by Wheeler, and that more honest approach would be less waivers
1: senator thank you always for your time we'll talk again soon
7: okay goodbye
1: iowa senator charles grassley joining us here on aoa stay with us more to come on adams on agriculture
8: wake up and text text and eat Mm -mm. text and catch the bus text and miss your stop
4: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Positive tone to the grain and oil seed sector on this Monday session. President Trump, fresh off his meeting with China's president in Argentina, said on Monday that U.S.-China relations have taken a big leap forward. We are leaping some 14 to 16 cents higher in soybean prices, trending to the best level since August following news that the U.S. will postpone plans to increase tariffs on Chinese goods. The two countries will enter negotiations. China has been the largest consumer of U.S. soybeans, but since the trade tensions began earlier this year, China's turned to Brazil for the majority of its supplies. The market will eventually need to hear more details if higher prices are to be sustained according to the wire talk an hour into the trading day january soybeans up 16 and a half at nine eleven and a quarter in corn march up four and a quarter at 382 the wheat's trending one to three and a half higher in chicago three to four and a half higher in kansas city minneapolis spring wheat trending one to two and a fraction higher for livestock at the Merck and Live Cattle Futures, we're trending 15 to 25 cents higher. December at 117.17 up 25 cents. Cash cattle sales marked at mostly 118 late on Friday, generally a dollar higher than the previous week. In feeder cattle, January 27 cents higher at 145.50. Lean hog futures, December, down 42 at 57.42. Cash hogs at the Upper Midwest Terminals. Zimbroda, Minnesota, barrels and gilts, steady atop of 33. Outside markets, the Dow up 288 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson.
9: and distribution so if you've written a novel children's book cookbook inspirational work poetry or a biography and want to get it published then you need to call page publishing and do it immediately call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free
0: author submission kit. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: I want to get more perspective on uh, the G20 meetings that have wrapped up? So much talk about uh, what's going to happen now with China and good news or not so good news, and you know what do we know? What do we not know at this point? Let's talk with Paul Drasic. He's managing partner of DTB Associates. Paul, a longtime trade policy and marketing specialist, a former special assistant to the Secretary of Agriculture for International Affairs. Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're waiting for details, but uh, at first blush. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on what has come out of the G20 meetings, especially when it comes to the us and China?
10: Well, hi, Mike. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm like everybody else kind of waiting for details, uh, about what, what transpired there. It was, uh, interesting, uh, a big discussion, uh, which, uh, is being touted as a major breakthrough in a, a big agreement that took place over dinner for a couple of hours. And, uh, until we see those details, I'm going to reserve judgment entirely, because I've heard uh, previously people talk up uh, uh, how great a trade agreement or trade deal has been, and it turns out not to have been very much. So uh, it's sort of reminiscent of, uh, I think it was in July when uh, President Trump and the EU President Juncker came out and uh, announced a a big breakthrough and really nothing has happened since then, and negotiations between the two really haven't even started yet. This one is apparently 90 days uh, uh, truce uh, to allow negotiations to, to try to resolve some of the biggest problems between the U.S. and China. And in that time, uh, or in, uh, if, if in that time, uh, no breakthrough is achieved, then uh, presumably the administration will go forward with the remaining or the uh, additional uh, 15% additional tariff uh, on uh, the retaliation that we have in place and perhaps even uh, uh strike the remaining 260 billion dollars worth of products coming in from china so but we just have to wait and see i think
1: yeah i tend to lean towards let's tap the brakes a little bit here i'm glad it bad news didn't come out i mean they could have come out and said well we're going to just keep throwing tariffs back and forth at each other and we're no closer i mean so it wasn't that bad and, and i think we were so starved for good news that I, I understand the market's reaction and all that uh but you know even when uh, i guess the the main thing was no new tariffs but when when they're talking about okay china's going to start buying our ag products uh you know, what does that mean? I I didn't hear him say, okay, China's going to be buying or has signed up to buy soybeans, you know, something specific like that. Those are the kind of details we're waiting for, right?
10: Yes, exactly, and the interesting thing is uh, the reports coming out of Beijing, uh, the Chinese take on this, they don't mention agriculture at all, and they don't mention purchases of any size or quantity or or, uh, product Mm -hmm. category or, or anything like that, so it's it's hard to know I you know my big question is if we're retaining our tariffs uh, we're just not going to increase them uh, how is China going to buy more product unless they remove tariffs their retaliation tariffs on on products like soybeans and there's no word of that and I, I don't see the Chinese government stepping in and Deciding it's going to buy uh, a lot of product from the United States, uh, which frankly would be illegal in the WTO uh, for a number of reasons, but uh, not that too many people care about that (laughs) anymore. But uh, it's really uh, unclear to me uh, if they're going to be buying a lot of agricultural products and it's going to be good for our farmers. uh, Is it going to be more than what we lost? Already, and I and I have my doubts.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a key point as well, and I'm glad you brought that up because while it was good news that there's no new tariffs being put on, there was no mention of taking off the tariffs that are already on.
10: That's correct, and in either direction.
1: Yeah. And it seems like that kind of got lost in all the reporting and all the euphoria that that has come out of this. We're talking with Paul Dracic, uh marketing specialist, managing partner with DTB uh, Associates, uh, longtime uh, trade uh, consultant. And I uh, want to get perspective on where we're at with the situation with China. So um, so they basically agreed to keep talking. Right. And uh, do we have any time schedule other than those? The time limits. I mean, what, did we hear anything? I didn't see anything about. Okay, next meeting is going to be on this date in this place. Is uh, anything that specific been announced?
10: No, nothing in in that regard. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, I it was unclear to me initially whether when, when the ninety days would start, uh, after which time the U.S. would decide whether enough progress has been made to. To decide not to impose the additional tariffs and so has the clock already started ticking or has you know is there a a first meeting that will initiate the the 90 days and we don't know that but no there hasn't been any announcement at all of of any of the details we're going to be uh, checking with our sources uh, today and tomorrow in the administration and uh, hopefully we can get some more information which I can pass along to you to report if you'd like
1: Yes, please do. I appreciate you doing that and keep us up to date, and uh, we'll stay in touch with you. All right, so that clock is ticking. We also have a clock (laughs) going to be ticking on the new NAFTA, USMCA. Uh, Once the president submits that, it's been signed now, uh, submits that, and he's already talking about if Congress doesn't pass it, uh, talking about pulling out of NAFTA. What are your thoughts there?
10: Well, I think that's extremely scary, (laughs) I, you know, I can sort of understand the logic uh, of trying to put enormous pressure on the Congress uh, uh, to, to pass uh, USMCA, NAFTA 2.0, uh, by threatening to withdraw from the original NAFTA if they don't do it. But, uh, uh, you know, the, there's, there's already opposition. Mounting to the new NAFTA on both sides of the aisle, frankly. Not just Democrats, but Republicans, too, are raising questions about certain aspects of it. Um, you know, and, and it is an improvement over NAFTA. I, I wouldn't call it 2.0, though. I'd probably call it NAFTA 1.1 or something. It's, <laughs> it, it's an improvement, and it's, it should be, uh, I think, uh, for agriculture's sake. Uh, there's some, some benefits. Uh, it, it should be uh, approved. but. Um, you know, there, there's some other questions. The, the, the U.S. is still maintaining uh, steel tariffs uh, or tariffs on steel coming from uh, Canada and Mexico. And so, therefore, those two countries are maintaining their retaliation against uh, our products. And, and that's, that, to me, makes this whole NAFTA issue together with uh, steel and aluminum uh, a net negative for American agriculture. But back to your original question, the, uh, the problem with the threat of withdrawing from the original NAFTA is uh, what if, NAFTA, what if uh, USMCA isn't passed for whatever reason? Uh, the, the, the president will have started a clock that he can't stop, is from what I can tell. Uh, so that would be awful. I mean, would, before NAFTA, the original NAFTA, our agricultural exports to Mexico were close to nil. And, you know, it's now, Mexico is now our second or third largest uh, export market for agriculture. So it's it would be devastating if that happened.
1: So I've realized it's this glass half-empty, half-full situation, and I, I'm trying not to look at it at half-empty. Uh, but there's a lot of hope being talked about here, but not a lot of details to back that up yet, right?
10: Right. Again, uh, with... Uh, There have been hearings and there have been uh, uh, people reviewing the details of USMCA, which were actually being negotiated even to the last minute before the uh, agreement was signed down in Buenos Aires. Uh, So there are details that still are unknown about the agreement, uh, questions still being asked, um, even in dairy, which was supposed to be one of the big uh, uh, achievements. Uh, It really doesn't look... Uh, to be as good a deal as originally uh, claimed. So, uh, you know, there are some benefits. I would assume that on balance it's a a net plus for dairy, and probably we've we've got some other improvements maybe on regulatory measures, because frankly, uh, we already had pretty much free trade, uh, especially with Mexico in place, uh, up until we started hitting each other over steel. Yeah. But uh, under the original NAFTA, it was a pretty good deal, and that's that's really why what uh, the big number one goal of American agriculture in uh, the new negotiation uh, was to do no harm, and uh, I think that was achieved. Uh, but if you take into account steel tariff and retaliation issues,
3: <laughs> it really has been
10: harm done to agriculture.
1: Yeah, no new harm. How do you make up for the uh, the harm that has been and is being done? That's the big question. Finally, Paul, your thoughts on uh, can you see us getting something worked out, a trade deal with Japan?
10: Yeah. Um, I think uh, the, uh, the big problem there with Japan, uh, you know, I think we'll have an agreement at some point. Uh, Japan really, I think, would prefer to have the U.S., Come back into the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and, and uh, that's one of the reasons they're they're saying, yes, we'll negotiate with the United States with you folks, but uh, we're not going to do anything more than what we did or off offered as part of the TPP negotiations. And uh, apparently, that has been a, uh, agreed to on both sides uh, as far as agriculture is concerned. That uh, when we have an agreement with Japan, it will not uh, achieve anything more than what we would have gotten under TPP except that we'll have gotten it two or three years later than what we would have gotten. Uh, and and that's not something to, to, to shrug at. Uh, a deal with Japan is very important, if for no other reason than to, than to keep us in pace with the benefits that are accruing or will be accruing to Canada right. and Australia and New Zealand and even the EU, because the EU and Japan are going to enter into a free trade agreement next year. So... Uh, we've got to get that uh, Japan agreement in place, and it would be great if, as part of that agreement, uh, we could work it out so that uh, the schedule of yeah. uh, tariff concessions would catch up with those other countries.
1: Right. Paul, thanks a lot, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you for your perspective.
10: Okay, Mike. Thank you.
1: Trade specialist Paul Drazik on AOA.
11: Over the holiday season, you know there are so many pleas out there for assistance from one organization or another. All of them do good work. We're asking you not to forget us. Every child deserves a little Christmas. Every year since 1947, the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program has been out there collecting toys for millions of deserving children, children who otherwise would go without at this most joyous time of year. The Toys for Tots website is the starting point to find one of our campaign sites. It's toysfortots.org. That's really simple. toysfortots.org. All one word, toysfortots.org. There you'll be able to find out how to donate directly to a local campaign or register for assistance. toysfortots.org. All you need to remember, toysfortots.org delivering hope since
5: 1947. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You gotta go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper, drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you
0: by AARP and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: All right, time to take a look at the weather. Sitting in for Bryce Anderson this week is DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino. Mike, thanks for joining us. I live in central Illinois. We had severe weather, tornadoes over the the weekend causing a, a lot of damage. I know this is not unprecedented, but it is unusual for December to be having tornadoes.
12: It is, and uh, I think the reason for this, Mike, is that, you know, clearly in, in my perspective this weather pattern has shifted into an El Nino pattern, and we're bringing a lot of very vigorous uh, disturbances into California now, and those systems are just tracking across the uh, southern part of the country. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a what looks to be an unusually – Uh, active winter storm pattern for much of the uh, southern and eastern parts of the country.
1: Hmm. All right. Give us your forecast uh, for this week ahead.
12: Well, the week ahead actually looks pretty good. You know, uh, producers, especially in the Ohio and Tennessee Valley, could really use a break as they've still got soybeans left in the fields down there, and the weather's just been terrible, and I'm sure that's hurting quality and maybe even some losses uh, to beans. It looks like a pretty open week. Uh, It it will be turning cooler again. It was pretty mild over the weekend. We will be looking at a seasonally cold week, nothing extreme. And uh, the good news is it should be rather dry. The uh, next threat of any uh, major storminess looks like it will be mostly south of Interstate 70 uh, towards the end of the week. We're going to be looking at some... uh, potentially heavy rain in the Mississippi Delta and maybe a mixed bag of uh, some rain or snow up into the Ohio River. It looks like that comes in for uh, uh, the middle part of the weekend.
1: So you're, you're in the camp that we are seeing the effects now of El Nino. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation to what extent the El, this El Nino, or if it is an El Nino, or if we have it, what what impact it's going to have. But you, you, you say we're already starting to see the, the effects of it now.
12: I think absolutely we are. You know, I know that the government forecasters, you know, you have to have all the parameters coming into play here, and as of yet, they're not. You know, we are seeing the warming in the Pacific, but we haven't seen the atmospheric indices that potentially could lead to sustaining this El Nino uh, coming into sync yet you know, with the sea surface temperatures but I look at a I've been looking at it for years a very narrow slot of the eastern Pacific uh, sea surface temperatures which to me I've been doing it now for like 35 years and I find that it correlates very strongly to the weather patterns both in the US and in South America and Right now, those sea surface temperatures are running uh, about 1.8 degrees Celsius above normal, and that's clearly in El Nino territory. And, you know, the thing that convinces me is that we're seeing this pattern right now clearly week to week going more into what would be a classic El Nino where it's very stormy across the southern and eastern U.S., and it's going to be turning rather uh, uh, mild and dry across the upper midwest northern plains hmm.
1: so and what does that mean when we're in an el nino what does that mean say looking ahead to next spring
12: well it's probably you know it clearly at this point the greatest concern would be and it seems the least likely situation at this point would be that we go from an el nino this winter to some sort of a La Nina next summer. And as I said, there's no signs of that happening. That would be the most concerning for the Midwest. That would tend to lead more towards drought. Um, I think the the most likely scenario at this point is that you probably maintain some semblance of an El Nino pattern through the spring. And what that means is that the moisture that will be more south of interstate 70 through the winter will start creeping northward and uh with soil moisture already basically adequate to surplus throughout the entire nation's midsection you know i guess the the early thought right now would be some planting delays but again you know with with planting being able to be done so quickly um at this stage uh you know, I think that they're, they're clearly, as there always is, there will be a break during the spring, and producers will basically plant the state in a week. And, you know, I think that's what we're looking at right now, really, you know, incredible soil moisture going in the spring, some delays, but nothing that uh, they can't manage. Mm-hmm.
1: Sounds uh, kind of like what we had this spring uh, in, in many places. Oh, Real quick, uh, what's the situation in South America?
12: Uh, The only concern right now is, you know, it's been wet, early plantings of beans, uh, expectations for early harvest. The wetness has continued to a degree now where I think they're seeing some disease pressure on beans in central Brazil. And if it stays this wet, uh, which it could, uh, they may not get some of those early beans out of the fields as they were hoping for towards the end of this month.
1: So they... It was good news for them with getting moisture, but now maybe it's too much good news.
12: Absolutely, I think that's what we're we're dealing with right now. The good news is is that it is turning drier right now in southern Brazil and central Argentina, where it has been quite wet, and that's very welcome for them. But central Brazil is where it's at right now. Those are the big bean-producing areas, and those are the areas where there's expectations that they will be getting some early harvest out of there, and I think that could be uh, a bit of a problem based on this wet weather.
1: All right. So again, Mike, uh, for the Midwest here in the U.S. this week, a little calmer week?
12: Absolutely. It looks like a uh, coolish but uh, mostly dry week. I think it'll be a very welcome week, and hopefully producers will be able to get a little bit of work done, but it's tough to dry out this time of the year with those very short days and low sun angle.
1: You bet. All right, Mike, thanks a lot for filling in. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, Mike. DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. We appreciate him sitting in this week for Bryce Anderson. So lots going on. Uh, We'll be talking tomorrow more about the G20 meeting. We'll be talking more about the RFS numbers. Uh, try to keep you updated on the farm bill now a lot of the timing of things out in Washington uh, will probably be changed with the uh, the funeral for former President George H.W. Bush Uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on on uh, the new time schedule for a lot of these votes and the action by Congress things like that coming up so lots to keep you up to date on and we'll do our best right here at AOA Adams on Agriculture have a great day everyone